In a lot of cases, the suspect is the one that goes unidentified for several years. But this case is the opposite. There was a suspect, and even a conviction. But it was the victim who went unidentified for over 40 years. I'm your host, Coy, and this is the story of Deborah Jackson. Over the last several years, Georgetown, Texas has been one of the fastest growing towns in America. It's a quiet little town that sits 30 minutes north of Austin. While today the population sits around 80,000 people, in the 1970s there were only about 6,000 residents. On Halloween, October 31st, 1979, one of those residents was driving along a small roadway that paralleled Interstate 35. The motor saw what appeared to be a body inside of a culvert. Law enforcement was contacted, and when they arrived, they found exactly that, a young woman who had been murdered. She did not have any clothes on, except on her feet were a pair of orange socks. There were no personal belongings near her, no ID or anything. While there was nothing to ID her, there was some other evidence on scene. There were bloodstains around the scene, which showed that the female was drugged to an overpass guardrail on the interstate. She was then thrown over the guardrail. She was then drugged through the grass to the culvert, which she was found in. The medical examiner determined that the woman had been sexually assaulted and her cause of death was ruled a strangulation. There was a large amount of bruising on her neck. There were also other bruises on her body which was believed to be caused from being thrown over the overpass. The woman was estimated to be between 15 and 30 years old. She was between 5 feet 8 inches and 5 feet 10 inches tall and weighed between 100 to 160 pounds. There were a large number of insect bites along the victim's legs. She had long toenails, her fingernails were painted, and there was a scar just beneath her chin. Even though she was thrown from the overpass, she did not suffer any broken bones. Her hair was described as being 10 inches long and it was brown with a reddish tint. She also had hazel eyes. She was missing two teeth. It's not clear if she was missing them before she was attacked or if it was an injury she suffered during the attack. She had a silver ring on her hand and had a pearl stone and her ears were pierced. There was a pack of matches that were found on the scene that were from a hotel six hours away in Henrietta, Oklahoma, which this really started the theory that the woman was a hitchhiker or a drifter. Because there was no way to ID her, the woman became known by the nickname Orange Socks. She was eventually laid to rest in a Georgetown cemetery with a gray granite tombstone. Inscribed on the tombstone read, Unidentified Woman, 1979. There was a single stemmed rose that was carved on the left side of the tombstone. Over the next couple of years, investigators did everything that they could to try and identify the woman. They tried to follow up in Henrietta, Oklahoma, but the hotel had no idea who she was. They checked missing persons records but couldn't find anyone that fit her description. 
They then disseminated their own flyers, but they didn't have any luck on IDing her. A few years went by, and in 1983, everything changed. Alright, so here's where things get a little interesting. In 1983, a man by the name of Henry Lee Lucas was arrested on a different murder case. Now, I'm not going to go too much into the history of Henry because I'm going to do a different episode that covers all of that because there's just so much to talk about there. But I will say this much. He had a very rough childhood. His mother was abusive. His father wasn't much better. And then his father died when Henry was young. Henry dropped out of school in sixth grade, and then he ran away from home. Henry had some mental health issues. And in June of 1983, he was arrested for unlawful possession of a firearm by the Texas Rangers. Um, Not Walker, Texas Ranger, but the Texas Rangers. While he was in jail, he confessed to murdering two people, and he led police officers to their body. After speaking with an investigator, Henry then confessed to the murder of the unidentified female that was only known as Orange Socks. Henry also said that he was unsure of what her name was but that she was hitchhiking and he picked her up in Oklahoma. They ended up having sex, and later he wanted to have sex again and she turned him down. The woman then attempted to leave his car, and he said that was when he killed her, and then he sexually assaulted her after she was dead. He then drove to Georgetown where he disposed of her body. While being video recorded, Henry was taken to the crime scene by investigators, where he showed how he drugged the woman's body over the guardrail and then hid it in the culvert. Not only did he admit to this murder once, but he did it in four different interviews with investigators. At the trial, his defense attorneys argued that he was shown images of the crime scene and was told information about the crime prior to the interview where he confessed. But that wasn't enough for the jury, and he was convicted of murdering the victim who was still unidentified. Now, through all the research that I was able to do, I could not find another case at least in the United States, where there's been a murder conviction and the victim was unidentified. So this may be the only one. So it seemed that the case was solved. Easy enough. There was a conviction, a confession. And even though there was still no ID for the victim, once she would be identified, then the family would have closure. Justice would have been served. But that may have been asking for too much. That might have been too easy to assume. Henry was convicted and sentenced to death for this homicide. There were also several others that he was convicted on, but this was the only one where he received the death penalty. Several years after his conviction, Henry began going back on his story. It also came out that he was in Jacksonville, Florida at the time of this murder, to which there were witnesses that placed him at work there and time cards that were punched in showing that he was at work. So with some mathematics, it was estimated that Henry would have to drive from Oklahoma, commit the murder, to Texas, dump the body, and then back to Florida at an average speed of 70 miles per hour, all without stopping, which would include stopping to dump the body. George W. Bush was the governor of Texas in 1998, before Henry was scheduled to be put to death, the sentence was changed from the death penalty to life in prison. So it's safe to say that even though Henry confessed to this murder, he was not the actual killer, and that he made a false confession, and in the episode where we talk more about Henry, we're going to 
talk about the murders that he was responsible for, as well as hundreds that he confessed to and what led to those confessions. In 2001, investigators found a photo of a missing woman who resembled the still unidentified Orange Sox victim. But after they tested DNA against that missing person, it was not a match. This case was featured on America's Most Wanted twice. On one occasion, an anonymous woman called in to say that she witnessed the victim hitchhiking around the time of the murder, but no other information was given and nothing credible came from this tip. Years went by, investigators continued working on this case with very little luck. In May of 2018, investigators went back to run tests on the ring the victim was wearing and also trying to follow up on where her socks were made to see if that might help locate an area where she was from. 2019 turned out to be a huge year for this case. In January, it was announced that DNA from the socks contained DNA profiles of at least two males. There was also DNA that was recovered from under the woman's fingernails. As of now, in 2021, the DNA has not been matched to anyone. After 40 years, in August of 2019, the unidentified woman finally had a name. The DNA Doe Project identified a potential cousin through DNA testing. When this potential cousin was shown a sketch of the woman, the family identified her as Deborah Jackson. Deborah's sister submitted a DNA sample, which showed that they were in fact related, confirming that the woman was Deborah Jackson. Her sister said that she last saw Deborah around 1977, which was a few years before she was murdered. Deborah lived a life where she wasn't really in contact with her family and she moved around a lot. She was never actually reported missing by her family, and it was pretty much assumed by her family that she was off living her own life. While there really wasn't much known about Deborah's life, investigators did learn that at the time of her death, she was only 23 years old. She is from Abilene, Texas. In the years before her death, she worked at a hotel in Amarillo, Texas, an assisted living facility in Asley, Texas, and a realty investment company in 1979. The Williams County Sheriff's Office is still working Deborah's case, trying to find answers and hold someone accountable. And this is going to bring us to a conclusion of this episode of Crime Nerds. I know I mentioned that I was going to do an episode on Henry Lee Lucas. And that is going to be one of the first episodes on the Patreon, which will be available in December. So listen out for that if you're interested in a couple extra episodes of Crime Nerds each month. As always, thank you for listening.